This place is a zoo. I saw Cochran, his car anyway. And your old man stayed here on the 20th. I was right. We'll go directly to the factory. We'll Whoa, find out hold exactly on. Slow down, slow down. It's getting late. I could use a drink. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Clothesploitation.com and I'm joining my co-host Martin. How's it going? Uh, doing pretty well, a little sleepy today. I think you are too. Yeah. Uh, both of us we might be a subdued episode of the uh, Halloween series this time, but because uh, I, I went to San Diego, I just got back yesterday, so I'm a little jet lagged. Yeah. You have three hours of sleep yeah. of your own doing. And I went to work. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit more subdued today, but I think we're still going to have some fun. Uh, we're continuing our season of Halloween, and obviously we are on week three, so that means we're on Halloween three, season of the witch. Uh, season of the witch is where we derived our season of Halloween, I guess. We didn't really get creative with the title, as we talked about previously, but it works. Definitely works. Uh, Halloween three is sort of the bastard child out of the Halloween series. Uh, you mean resurrection isn't? I mean, I think it's just that so different from the rest of them that you have, I don't know, like a lot of people who just don't appreciate the fact that Halloween three is something different from a Michael Myers film. And I think probably more and more it's become uh, more accepted, but at the time it was released, uh, and I think even like a little bit afterwards, um, it certainly was not well received. I think it has something like a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb or something like that. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I just, people did not accept the fact that they were trying to get away from Michael Myers in this film and going in a different direction, even though that's really what the intention was for the Halloween series. I mean, I kind of, I understand it in a way because, and this is like something that I questioned because I, I, we didn't obviously grow up in that time frame. but how is it marketed for one thing? Cause that's, you know, part of the issue. Like, did you market it well in order to sell the fact that it's not going to be a Michael Myers film and it's something different. And then also, um, like, did you temper expectations? And I feel like probably expectations were quite high after the one, two punch of Halloween one and two. And then you also have John Carpenter not directing or writing this film at all. It's Tommy Lee Wallace, who does both writing and directing, uh, with Carpenter and um, Deborah Hill only doing the production credits and Carpenter teaming up with Alan Howarth for um, the score. So you sort of have a changeover as well that, um, I don't know, probably didn't help with people who didn't want to accept this as a official Halloween film. But what do you think? Uh, you know, just quickly going over, you know, your experience with Halloween three, how do you feel about the film? Um, <clears throat> I didn't see it until later. It's probably one of the, it's probably the last Halloween film that I saw. Oh, okay. Before the Rob Zombie ones, they didn't play it, ever play it that often on TV. Um, I've only seen it like two times before this. I just remember, you know, because by the time I saw it, yeah, right before college, you know, I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. You know, it's not, you know, Michael Myers film, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You accepted it yeah. for what it is. I, ex- um, I accept Friday the 13th Part 4 for not being the real final chapter. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, you kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah. No, I, I remember, you know, when I saw it thinking it was, you know, Pretty decent for what, like I said, for what it is. Yeah, I, uh, I can, and you can see, like, especially with like how it's kind of paced, how it's shot, and kind of looks, and wait, the way the story kind of ends, you can t- totally tell it's going for the like anthology route. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't see the film until just before college, because, or maybe I'm just thinking now. I feel like they play it quite a bit on TV. Maybe maybe now they do. Maybe they didn't I used to. I never remember when AMC would do their Halloween block. 
They never had it in there. They'd skip it, o- skip yeah. over it, and do Halloween one, two, and then four, four and, and five. I mean, yeah, they they definitely did four and five quite a bit. I remember those being on all the time. But I do think now that Halloween three's kind of made it into the rotation a bit more. Um, I think a lot of times now they just play them continuously. Halloween one, two, three, you know, the, the whole thing. Because um, I remember last year just seeing it a, yeah, even on a couple times on TV. And then I always tune in because it's a fun movie. And um, I can definitely see it being something like IFC or like El Ray would like, you know, do. Yeah. Like, yeah. During Focus Halloween. Like, one like, hey, we're not going to do the other ones, but we got Halloween 3 for you. Hey, that's fine to me. You don't need every station doing a Halloween 1 marathon for Halloween. You know, you well, get it's it. like, you get, you know, if you're uh, like AMC, you get Halloween. If right. you're Spike, you get Friday the 13th. If you're UPN, you get Freddy, and then yeah, so on. So you got to break it up a yeah. little bit. Um, I mean, I've always really liked, I've, I've never really had a problem with Halloween 3. I've always liked it. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I think this is, Halloween 3 is probably one of my favorite soundtracks to a Halloween film. Um because it is very synth heavy, it's very uh, like computer driven too. Like almost like trying to mimic the sound a computer would make when computing in the eighties. Um, nice fax machine. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I do like it though. I think that it is a. Um, and you you mentioned this um, when we were watching the movie. It's kind of a combination of like the thing and Escape from New York together, like. Stuffed together, bits and pieces, bits and bobs, uh, put together from both of those soundtracks. Um, and the bass line, a lot of yeah. it, like that dun dun, it's a very much like the thing, like you know, when yeah, they, yeah. they got like stalking scenes going on, like dun dun. I think part of that too is, um, Alan Howarth, too, who has a, quite a bit of influence here when in the soundtrack, um, adding a little bit of his own, um, you know different instrumentation to it. One thing that I do think too, is that this film, the soundtrack, it does sound, it, we're moving into that territory from, from Carpenter, like Prince of Darkness has a fairly similar soundtrack to this. Um, even once you get into, um, well, I guess the fog does too, uh, kind of like some of those tenser moments rather than, I would say that, it's the baseline really that makes it distinguished, makes those, those types of soundtracks so distinguished from like the original Halloween soundtrack. Cause they don't have much of a baseline at all. It was really just that piano yeah, yeah. plinking and that's, and that was it. Whereas as you get, you know, to Carpenter's later films, um, he's moving forward into more bass, more instrumentation, a little bit more, um, like he'll still have that repetitive, uh, rhythm but then he's adding more instrumentation on top of it it's taking one idea from a film and then just kind of like slowly building upon it yeah absolutely I, I i mean i think it's a good idea that way you don't have some of those like we talked about some of the other films like death wish 2 that has like such a sporadic soundtrack <laughs> of different different uh ideas throughout that you you know it's hard to focus on one thing in that film we talked about in that in that uh, episode as well all right um we're gonna today we're gonna skip over uh the beer talk except for the fact that i can mention all of the beer that i had in san diego because i did have a lot of beer and the reason why i don't have it today is because i did so much drinking in san diego that i'm taking a break from it he feels bad about himself uh, not that I feel bad, but I'm just so tired that I feel like if I had any more beer, I probably would pass right out. So uh, I'm avoiding it for the most part right now. Uh, but I did try to get around to as many breweries as possible and in and, and, uh, places that sell beer. I love that one was closed at three. Yeah, one I, bar think, you went I think to. that was my fault, though. I think I went to the wrong place. Wow. So, yeah. Um but I did try to get around as much as possible in San Diego and downtown San Diego. So I went to um, Duckfoot Brewing Company, which is a smaller, smaller chain. I've never heard. I'd never heard of it before then. Um, I went to the um, Naughty, the Naughty Brewery, which is spelled with a K, K-N-O-T-T-Y. Um, and that's a, another small brewery down there. 
and I went to um, Half Door Brewing, which was kind of cool. It was a nice little um, brewery and gastropub. So they did do quite a few different uh, meals there and entrees. So that was nice. And then I also got to one of the major ones that I'm sure people know that are listening, uh, Stone. And Stone, the one that I went to was not like actually the, the main Stone brewing uh, area, but it was um, a tap house that was behind the Padres baseball stadium. Petco Park. Yeah, Petco Park. And uh, they were, you know, they had pretty much all of the stuff that you would expect from a Stone brewery, but they just, it imagine just wasn't how much like one the of those have, brewery. Imagine how much one of those has to cost at like... Uh, what? At, at the game. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I know, like, Yankee Stadium now has, like, Toast uh, Blue Point yep. and a couple of others. It's like, hey, you want the Blue Point, like, Toasted Lager? $20. Yeah, they're expanding a little bit more. Like, uh, when I went to um, uh, the uh, soccer game at um, Gillette Stadium, they did have, like, craft beer there. It's expensive. You can, But it depends on what you get, too. Like, are you going to get a 20 ounce or are you going to get a 16 ounce? Save a little money with the 16 ounce. Mm, may as well go with the 20. Yeah, go big. Um, Long game. <laughs> I would say, honestly, my favorite brewery that I went to was Stone. Um, the atmosphere and everything. Uh, but one thing I'll say about Stone is that if you're not in the mood for an IPA, you just basically don't go there. The only thing they really have are various experimental IPAs that they have. Uh, many of them, not a, a, or at least around here, not available, widely available. Um, and then we only they, really got like the variations of their arrogant bastard. Right, exactly. They didn't. They, I mean, all they really had there for different um, styles besides an IPA was an arrogant bastard, and it was a barrel aged ar- arrogant bastard. Um, and then they had a. Uh, it was some sort of experimental stout that was brewed in conjunction with a couple other uh, people, um, which was a very heavy. I think it was like thirteen percent or something like that for their for that stout. Um, nice exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then I and that was pretty much it. I think most of the other beers that they had were IPAs. Um, it, what was cool though is that I did get to try some of their experimental batches. So I tried um, an experimental batch that had just two hops in it: um, Azaka and uh, I can't remember the other hop, Peko, I think it was. Um, and so that's kind of cool, at least in terms of like what they're able to do with IPAs and changing up the hops and varying the format a little bit at least you're not getting like just what they're calling a standard ipa um when i went so like a lot of people have stone delicious ipa down there which is basically a very it's a standard drinking ipa um and then i would say probably the other big one is just um what else do they have i wonder what they think of the nipa craze they have i think they had a nipa oh i'm yeah, I believe they had a Nipa. Um or at least what maybe they don't call it a Nipa, but they definitely had some hazy hazy IPAs like that. Um So, I mean, it was a cool experience. I did drink a lot of beer, I'm not going to lie. And I got around to a lot of areas and tried I think I tried probably like 15 to 20 different beers while I was there. Um Post your untapped. Uh, I did. Yeah. Yeah, my untapped. Um I believe mine is what Ryan B I don't. I think at Ryan B. I, I think I'm only friends with you and one. Yeah, others. I mean, if, if you want to find me, I believe I'm at Ryan B. On Untapped, so add me on there. You, you can see my various drinking experiences while I was in San Diego. But other than that, we don't have anything. Any, on the sh- any of those stone ones uh, you consider crushable? Um, no, <laughs> I wouldn't consider any of them crushable, and I don't think they're supposed to be. Um, just because they're f- all like fucking 7% and higher. So I think one of their IPAs went up to like 9.5%. I wouldn't consider any of those crushable. Um, cause they're strong and they're, you know, you're not going to go in there and pound a, a f- bunch of them. Um, and actually that's, that would be, th- I say, it'd be funny too, if you like bought like an IPA there and like you're there like for an hour, like just trying to like. Make your way through it. Like, Honestly, I like, I was like, there for a while. Just like it. oh, and like 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 waitress, like hey, come on, we got other people to I, come. It's, I, like, it's like sorry, your your beer is you know very you know very I, potent. It's I potent, was there potable. for a while at Stone drinking one beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
They should have that sign from SNL up, but potent potables for their, you know. It, it is. They're very potent. And that's one thing you find out about San Diego is, one, that they have, like, primarily IPAs. Uh, it's That's their main beer. And then... Did you find that Oktoberfest? No, I did not. I found one. Actually, I found one, and it was Sierra Nevada, so that didn't really that entice me because we get that here, so it wasn't, like, a big, big it's deal. It's not even really an Oktoberfest. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then the other... Let's see. The other thing that you know we find out about San Diego is that they really don't do IPAs that are under seven percent. I it's very difficult to find like under seven IPA there. They really like them heavy nice and heavy and yeah. happy and yeah, yeah. Well, good luck mowing your lawns, assholes. <laughs> I know. When you, need, when you need a nice kosher cream ale, we'll they be did. La- do- we'll, we'll be laughing at you on the East Coast. They did have a couple of cream ales, but well, that warms my heart. Yeah. They did have a couple. But, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, being down there and trying to hit as many breweries as possible, having all these, like, super heavy styles and very high alcohol content beers is like, you only have so many. And then you got to take a break. And to go soak in the hot tub. And, give, like, I would say they give you a snack and it's like, here's your bread. Mm-hmm. Here's your bin of basically garlic yeah. knots and bread. I was having, like, stomach pains at night because I was, had so many hops. It's ridiculous. Just trying to sort them all out, like with this one's that one. Yeah, I was, my stomach was trying to figure out what to do with it all. I think. What do you do with all this bread? But all right. So, anything you want to add for uh, beer drinking? No, I've had nothing. We we would we did want to get um, Miller High Life for this show, but it just didn't work out because mostly because I vetoed it because I don't want any beer <laughs> right now. Instead, I'm drinking coffee. That perked me up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was almost falling asleep while watching the movie, but now I'm I'm feeling all right. Feeling good. I had moments. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the the movie itself. Um, Because I do think Halloween 3 is actually a lot of fun. It's a fun movie. It's not a great movie. Uh, especially, you comes know, across as a TV movie. Exactly, it's it's not great when you think of the the actual quality of the film. Um, I would say, like, almost everything about it does feel like a TV movie. It feels very made cheaply it. made. <laughs> um, uh, it they have like very very um poor actors in some some scenarios. Uh, you know, so honestly, a lot of this feels like it could have just been straight to TV. And aired, like, on Halloween or, or a week before Halloween. It wouldn't have been out of place to have it like that. It certainly doesn't feel as um, well put together as, like, Halloween or Halloween 2. And You can tell they cut the budget. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the budget is... It, it, you know, I think part, most of it really comes across with the budget restrictions when you have, um, like, some of just some of the special effects work. Is um, just kind of chintzy, I would say. And then, but the thing that really you notice too is the cheesy writing that seems sort of television sitcomish, or you know, sort of boiled down to like the common denominator of like people who might watch. So kind of dumbed down a little bit. Yeah, it needs a laugh track. A little bit, yeah. There, I mean, a lot of the opening parts of the film, especially when you have. Um, like Tom Atkins coming into the film early on and you're meeting his character, Dr. Um, Dr. Chalice, you, uh, I, don't, I don't know, like it does need a laugh track. It's sort of comedic in the way that they're portraying him. And it's so, it's very cliched too. Um, so I don't know. You don't really get to know much about him besides a few key facts. And one of those facts is that he like loves to drink. He's drunk. I mean, and that's basically, like, what you know about the guy. He's divorced, he has two kids, he's a doctor, and he's a drunk. And also, he likes to, um, sleaze around a little bit. Oh, yeah. He's he's definitely, like... Um, it's not sleazing, then, though. It's just good, good fun. Good, yeah. You know. He's definitely, like, using his position as a doctor at this hospital that he works at in order to the sort five, of... The five employees that work yeah. there as well. Yeah. He's, he's using that position to sort of, like schmooze with a lot of the uh female oriented uh workers that are at the hospital and that's primarily all of them because 
it's a pink collar job in the hospitals, especially with nursing. Back in the 80s, you didn't really have many male nurses. Took until Ben Stiller and meet the parents, you yeah. know, to yeah. fuck that trend. I think, uh, you know, I love the whole opening part when um, you have the, the first guy being pursued by, you know, these men in black. Uh, running through the gas station, being taken to the hospital, and uh, you see Dr. Chalice come in, and you know he's already been drinking, because it's already mentioned by his his ex-wife early on, and he's sort of like, even though there's this man like nearly dying on the gurney with him, he's in good spirits. It's like shaking the gas station attendant's hand, thank you for bringing him in, really appreciate it. I don't think you need to stick around. You know, he just could have he possibly has, been... Has his nice polo on, you know, not really Dr. Garb. Just, yeah. He's just got the coat, you know, the coat to make it like, I'm a doctor. He's and, uh, putting his arm around all the nursing staff. Yeah. Um, Giving them good games on the back. Yeah. You know, we were talking too, and, you know, you saw, you see one moment where he puts his arm around a nurse, and then you see a, a guy in a suit step out. And I was just joking, like, it, that looks like it's administration. Be, like, peering peering at him from afar, being like, that Dr. Chalice, he's really crossing a line here. Sexual harassment charges pending. <laughs> the way that it's shot. Call up, the, call up the legal team. Exactly. The way that it's shot, it could be a completely, it could be like Grey's Anatomy or something. <laughs> and, you know, the, the administrative team is really trying to figure out what they're going to do with Dr. Chalice. But uh, that whole that whole first part of the movie really feels uh, the most TV movie esque, um, just because of how I don't know how ridiculous it seems a lot of the time. Um, I, I do like that they, they follow the Halloween two trend of nobody working at this hospital. Yes, yes this this hospital is another one of those ones that it's just barren. Apparently, they live in the middle of you know. Yeah, but also yeah, they also have no patience. Like, this, they act like this guy's, like, the well, first the, person to come in. Well, it's the same thing in the Halloween, too. Yeah. They had no patience except Lori for the... Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, we just got one girl, you know. That's why they're like, you're Lori Stroke. Because it's like, we got to pay... Like, we got ourselves a patient. Let's, you know. At one point, the um, nurse... The doctor actually asks, like, who's there? And the nurse says, oh, you know, it's a quiet night. It's a good thing it's a quiet night. Because what would they do if it wasn't? There's two nurses on duty. What would they be and doing? One, and one doctor. Yeah. What would they be doing if uh, they actually did have an emergency situation going down? Like, oh no! Like, uh, school bus just flipped over and set a, set a flame. What are we gonna do? I don't fucking. Yeah. Uh, we can treat two of them. <laughs> no, it was great too because we later at right after the um, the guy dies and the other guy uh, self uh, immolates. Yeah, yeah, immolates himself in the car. Fucking, he's talking to his ex-wife, like, why he can't come and pick up the kids. Like, And he doesn't, like, he's like, two people died last night. And There's no explanation I know, for like, that. why, shouldn't his wife be like, you work at a hospital. Yeah. People die. People die all the time. You mean, you know. You can't handle that. Like, oh, your body count of two, isn't that good? You know, isn't. I'm surprised the first thing she didn't think of was, like, his own doctor negligence after being drunk and going to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> You, know? you got your malpractice insurance, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, reading it. <laughs> like, I'm so glad we've uh, unlinked our checking account because <laughs> <laughs> yours is going up in flames from the from the malpractice suit you're getting. That's why he's hitting on the one uh, forensics. Uh, oh, yeah, check. the pathologist yeah. lady there. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, she, she's making probably sure, got make, the money. Yeah, making all oh, that and making sure, like, hey, I kind of fucked up. Make sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of, like, just brush that to the side. and Yeah. What do you think about that first immolation scene? That's, um, you know, in terms of it, the film, Hilarious. it's often cheesy, <laughs> but I think that w- that is sort of like a shocking moment, too, because you don't really, if you're watching for the first time, you're not really expecting some guy to just go out and set himself on fire. Yeah, but that shocking moment's uh, totally, um, the, oh, the, yeah. the feelings, I, you don't get that impact, because yeah. one, it's like a, de- oh, like a Death Wish car explosion, and Tom Atkins has no reaction to it, just... <laughs> Like not like oh my god somebody just what the, why would somebody do that he just he's just just standing there like resigned just like yeah. like huh I know he's well, just kind of resigned to it it's like the, that's the third one that happens he's just like <laughs> not again like, you know. this city I know Ugh. it's going downhill those damn Utes I know. You know yeah that that's what makes it fun I was laughing at that when we were watching I'm like he's just standing there like oh oh. 
Not again. Not even. He's just he's totally emotionless, too. Just like mm. I know. Um one other thing that I like about the opening scenes of Halloween three is Tom Atkins' jacket, which it barely fits him. Uh, makes a, it does make a comeback at the begin, at the end of the film as well, but that's a style. I guess it was a style, but it I mean it looks like a woman's jacket on him. I mean it is like a cream colored jacket. I love it. I mean <laughs> I get it. It was it's sort of like a bomber jacket sort of thing, and bomber jackets do ha- tend yeah, to have that r- sort of like torso ish. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but this one looks too small for him. Like it's just not fitting, and I. I don't know if that's a wardrobe choice that went wrong, or they just didn't have, you know, they didn't have the money. And they were like, <laughs> Look, uh, the- Tom, we got, uh, you got you a medium. He's like, I'm a large, <laughs> damn it. And they're like, we, I'm going to have to make it work, because uh, we don't have. We lost the receipt. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the money to return it. And we can't really have the, we, you know, we didn't have the money for a tailor yeah. either, so. Uh, I know. You know, just make it work. Imagine just walking around like Chris Farley and, you know, Tommy Boy, like, fat guy and a little <laughs> No, he's not fat. He's just got a beer gut. He does, yeah. It's from all the Miller High Life he drinks. You know what's great in vodka and scotches? He's just had a smorgasbord of, you know. He does. I like the part when he's at the bar after, you know, just drinking, you know, and they got some fucking, like, cartoon on Oh, it, yeah. You know. I don't know what that is. I really have no idea what that thank, cartoon is. Th- thank God, you know, they switched it over to the ball well, game. Well, what, and- kind of, what kind of bar just has, like, some random kid show cartoon on? You know, I'm not, like, there's not, not like there's going to be a whole bunch of kids in there hanging out. Or maybe there is in the 80s. You know what's great, too? Pack it up, kids! This is great, too, is when they flip the channel, it's like, coming on Halloween. Halloween, <laughs> Watch the immortal film. The immortal ha- classic, like, they call it. The yeah. immortal classic. Halloween. It's kind of like, you could be watching a better movie. Yeah. But yeah. you're not. You're watching this instead. I know. That's why people got pissed off. They're probably like halfway through like, I could be watching Halloween right now. Yeah. It, I mean, I think that was a, a <laughs> nod it's to supposed Carpenter. To be- but it, yeah, it does make, it remind you like, yeah, that one was better. Yeah, couldn't pick like you know keep the trend with the original like with you know being the thing from another world and then Night of the Living Dead and pick like something you know yeah you know what like too. The, like the day the Earth stood still or something you know it almost feels like that was part of a work print that Tommy Lee Wallace showed to uh, Carpenter to get his production credits <laughs> you know to get a- some extra money from Carpenter he's like yeah John I want to show you something uh, maybe you want to produce this and he just put in that <laughs> the Immortal Classic and John was like yeah okay. All right, yeah, I'll uh, I'll produce it for you. Do the do the soundtrack. It was just a work print thing. Um. All right. So what we haven't talked about yet is the uh, Tom Atkins love interest, Ellie Grimbridge. What a name! What a what a name! I don't even really know that we ever Grimbridge. Grimbridge doesn't really come up that much. I don't think. I don't remember it with her because her she's the daughter of the first victim in this film. Yep. Um. I think his name was Howard. Something like that, maybe. I don't even I didn't even catch his but, name. But what a like this is like after watching it now, this makes this movie makes me think like this is like an eighties Bond film, but it's set like it like a Halloween horror mystery. Sort of. You know? Yeah. Tom Atkins in this comes as off as like a drunk Roger Moore. Yep. <laughs> Ellie Grimbridge got like a Bondian name and then like, you know, like Roger Moore and the 80s doing Bond films, way too old to be doing the part, sleeping with way too young women. Yes. Yeah, because Stacey Nelkin in this film is only 22 years old. And Tom Atkins, though, he doesn't look like it. He's 48. Yeah, I think the mustache for him works both to his advantage and disadvantage. I mean, to his advantage because you assume that he's... I would say that he looks like like early 40s, but he doesn't look like he's like damn near 50. Well, like with the mustache, like a lot of times it makes people look older so you so you assume like okay well maybe he just looks older but then you find out no actually he just he i mean he is old i know i rock a mustache yeah <laughs> but but no like and then like the villains like it's a bond like villain with like a oh, bond like it is really a bond villain a yeah. crappy bond like villain layer yeah like the yeah. lowest rent layer ever with the way the monitors are set up at sh- you know silver shamrock's factory yeah. You know, it's like a 
if Troll 2 and a Bond film were, like, kind of mixed together and you get a better produced, you know... Yeah. Better produced horror film than Troll 2. True. Better produced than Troll 2. <laughs> probably not as good as a Bond film. If was... uh, they were not doing too well in the 80s. That would be interesting to watch, like, a Bond Halloween film. It's Skyfall. I know you I still, mean, still I mean, get Skyfall Spectre. Spectre, you get that in the beginning at least with the, the Day of the, the Dead that dragged on forever. Yeah, but uh, it would be interesting because that you're right. This does feel like, in a lot of ways, the Bond a Bond film. And the reason I'm bringing up Ellie in general is because you're right; she is way too young for Tom Atkins. But at the same time, he's only met her for like a day because he's interested in her father's death listen they didn't have the internet back then so when you're a little bored at the motel what are you gonna do you're gonna you know yeah but he's gonna bump some uglies it's hilarious because they first set out they're going to this town the town of silver shamrock which does look like nilbog yep because it's like a little (laughs) irish town that's got nothing going on because everybody's sort of programmed that way um and you have their them both dr chalice and ellie they decide that they're going to get a hotel together and call themselves husband and wife Okay, great. That's a cover. So they get a hotel together. And the the funniest lines are just come from this when Dr. Chalice is like sort of trying to figure out like what are the sleeping situations? I don't want to come across as too forward here. But he's, you know, he's like, uh, what should we do? Should I get another room? And uh, she's it, like, that would blow our cover as a yeah. married couple. He's like, well, I can sleep in the car if you want. You know, it'd be better than that damn floor. And then she's like, what would you like to do, <laughs> Dr. Yeah, it's, I mean, just the and way... And then he goes right for the tits, Yeah, you know? it's just the way that it transitions is so hilarious. Like, they they don't even know each other at all. And I know, it's, it's been... Because the great thing, too, is anytime there's any time pass, we get the date. Yeah. Like, the actual day, like Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> October 29th. Yeah. Two days till Halloween. You know, so we get that, you know, time. So it's literally, they've only been together working on the mystery of... You know, the Scooby-Doo mystery of who killed Ellie's well, father. You know what? It's, it's, I gotta say, it's super common that you work with somebody for a day and you fall in love with them. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the way that it is. Um, but yeah, like with Ellie though, the, th- the, the film doesn't give you any sort of indication that she's at all interested in Dr. Chalice besides like him, just him helping her figure out what happened to her dad. Cause her primary motivation, what she even says it, she's like, I'm not leaving. And going back to Los Angeles until I figure out what happened to and my dad. And then while they're there, like, weird shit's going on. And he's like, do you want to go? And she's like, I do want to go. But not until I, you know, find out what happened yeah. to my dad. That's her primary motivation. But instead, like, you know, two days after her dad's been horrifically murdered by she's having good. his eyes uh, pushed in and the bridge of his nose snapped, she's like, well, I'm, I'm feeling kind of horny. I don't know. You know? It's hilarious. <laughs> the great thing about that whole uh, sex scene, too, is like Tom Atkins starts down like he's, oh, he's going to go down on her. It's like, psych! Yeah, he I'm, does. I'm yeah. 50 years old. I don't do that yeah, shit. No I, don't, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Clearly, because she fell for him regardless of it. <laughs> he does have a nice stash. Yeah, well, she probably missed out. I, well, he, exactly. He, he's The whole purpose of the stash is you know, to enhance the game. One of the other things that's really funny about them having sex is that only after they have sex like two times does he say like, wait, how old are you? (laughs) There's a potential she could be under 18. (laughs) Well, she did. You know what? Maybe that's a dig at Woody Allen because she did date Woody Allen when she she was like 16 or 17 when he was 42. So maybe that's maybe maybe that. Oh, I'm sure Woody probably didn't care to ask you. Just yeah. Uh, But it is funny because. She returns with, I'm older than I look, and she's really not that much older than she looks. She's 22, and she looks 22. I don't know. I say look, she looks like she's 18. Oh, you do? You think so? She looks pretty young. I think that's more of a... And what's temp- also great, too, because we, we mentioned it, too, when um, the guy's bringing in, like, her their luggage, and like, oh, you're a light packer, and like, yep, and like, when, you know, she takes a shower before Tom Atkins comes back, and then, Gets you know... It. When he gets back, she, you know, drops the blanket that she had wrapped around her, and she's got, you know, her, she brought her beautiful lingerie with her. She, she, again, she she had plans. Right. She they, knew. I mean, yeah, she only packed, like, yeah. a couple things. They, even, because Tom Atkins even says that he's going to have to wear his, his, um. He's like, oh, I can stretch this clothes out maybe for another day. Yeah, he's got to wear his clothes <laughs> for another day. But she brought a negligee. <laughs> yeah. Good planning. Good packing on her part. <laughs> it's great. 
So primarily the uh, film itself is driven by this one mask maker named Conal, which I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard the name Conal before. Have you? Must be an no, Irish. No, but I'm assuming must it's be a- Irish. That's my good Irish accent that I do. Colonel Cochran, played by Dan O'Herlihy. He is next to Tom, him and Tom Atkins, the two bright spots. For two him. best, yes. I, and I think Dan O'Herlihy kind of knows like what's going on. He knows that it's sort of a ridiculous movie, so yeah, he's no. just hamming it up, really going for it. He's kind of like the Donald Pleasance of this film. Much more subdued, though, yeah. comparatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially compared to Looney Loomis in Halloween 2. That's right, yeah. We don't don't have a Looney Loomis in this one. But uh, we, um, so the film itself, it's pretty much follows along throughout this time span of before Halloween, working through the days, and they get a whole bunch of commercials for uh, Conal Cochran's mask company, Silver Shamrock, because they've been making three different styles of masks for this Halloween season. Uh, and apparently selling very well. It's the only thing that people want. Apparently it's like the only mask maker for Halloween. Is... Besides like those plastic molded masks, yeah. I would say. Uh, and you know what would have been a nice touch? This would have been a nice like little like uh, Easter egg. Put like a Michael Myers mask in the background. Somewhere. Just like in the background? Yeah. Well, I didn't catch it. Maybe there is one, but I, I don't know of any. That would have been a nice... Uh, another touch to to the film to add another well i i I do just love like the one family that was also in um santa maria or saint marie or whatever the fuck that town is nail bog yes um that one family that's there like that's you know sells masks that look like they're extras from charlie and the chocolate factory (laughs) you know uh, that the wife's like he's one of the richest men in the world He's just he sells he sells Halloween novelties. Yeah, just, <laughs> I think she says like masks and cheap knickknacks or something like that. Cheap magic tricks. And well, because the company, I say the company is Silver Shamrock Novelties. Yeah. So you mean to tell me this? You know, this motherfucker's making millions of dollars selling three different types of plaster masks. Well, and you know, you know, it's probably a good thing that his entire family was killed because. They'd soon be losing all of their money in his job to Oriental Trading for the magazine <laughs> company because pretty soon Oriental Trading is going to come out and be, wipe out any necessity to have uh, a salesman like that selling and like novelties that, and knickknacks. I know. They're like driving to this town. Like, I came all the way from San Francisco to get my order. Yeah. You know. Again, what kind of stupid, uh, unproductive shop owner would do that? Like... No, you don't deliver it to me. I'll come and pick it up from you. Like, no, uh, I think that most of your profits are gone at that point. <laughs> you have to make a road trip every time you need a new box of masks. But he's such a nice man because when Tom Atkins and uh, Stacy Nelkin, when they show up and they're touring the factory, they find out that her father's name is in the ledger in the log of receiving the mask. They lie and say, like, we lost them. And he's like... And your order of masks are being made right now for free. And everyone's like, "This man's just the most magical." <laughs> I, I love the guy. I, I love um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the the guy that plays the whoever, whatever the salesman's name is. I think it's like Buddy. Yeah, it's Buddy, uh, played by Ralph Strait. Because you could see him in the background, um, behind Colonel, and he his face just lights up like so excited that he's getting. They're getting this box for free. God, he looks like a combination of like um, Randy Quaid yeah. and Bob Lee from ESPN. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, that's all I could think of when I was looking at him. Like, man, he looks like Bob Lee, like Bob Bob Lee in ten years if he was on very hard times. And he... I'm not sure what they were th- they were trying to do with that family because it's such a ridiculous well, exchange. You, well, I told you they're the. Like, it's like they stumbled onto the wrong movie set. They're supposed yeah. to be in Willy Wonka and show up to the factory. It's Fortunately, it's been nine years since the film. They they missed that boat, and here they are, because he's wearing suits from 1973. Yeah. That's for and, and, like, the film, for the most part, is going for a very, like, dark and down, depressing theme. But then of you killing have... killing children. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, give the film credit. How many films would you yeah, see? At least a, yeah, at least it goes for it. Yeah. But, I mean, 
there this family seems very out of place in that regard because it's it sets a more comedic tone of like we said before a TV movie style of just you know and that he does seem like he could be in a TV sitcom this this dad like a very cheesy TV sitcom but too many cooks yeah <laughs> um and, and yeah I do love how everybody seems to love Colonel Cochran though just. It's the most mad. Yeah, he's, he's a magic. Yeah, he is the Willy Wonka of like mask making, and you know you got to hand it to him. Obviously, he's doing some some good work. They're uh, they're definitely selling a lot of masks, and it's probably because of his uh, very like his high budgeted commercial setup because they have to have a commercial a new, for every single day. A new commercial. Yeah, change the jingle up. Got to have people go you know, from the factory sitting there. You know. Mm-hmm. Singing the nice silver shamrock song. Not only that, but you have to imagine that they had to have paid the ad uh, space for each of those ads. Because that is a clusterfuck of organization for the actual channel to figure out, like, well, I gotta run uh, ad number 752 on Thursday, but I gotta run ad number 863 on on Friday. Well, the good thing is, though, they could just throw the old one away. Once you use it for the day... Throw that beta tape right in the garbage and move on, move on to the next one. But you know that is a great thing too, because at the end when Tom Atkins is trying to get the commercial pulled, and he's like, "Go to the third channel." There's only three channels he's trying to get it pulled off. And I said, "Like imagine if it was today." Now go to channel two fifteen. Yeah, take it off. All right, now go to, go to two twenty four. Take it off. Yeah, you, take it, you know just. Yeah, at least there was only three channels. Go to go to two thirty three hyphen three. Take it off. Well, he did. He yeah. He didn't. He didn't even reach the radio because the we hear the ads playing on the radio as well. Not that I I don't know if that would ever that would do anything to the uh, kids. No, I, I don't think because I think probably they, not because they it has the, the visual yeah. uh, flashing. But because it wanted you to look into the pumpkin. One thing that's pretty funny is how often that commercial is shown throughout, like, the world of this film because it seems like people would start to be getting, like, ready to kill themselves from it. Like, like this well, Tom Atkins, keeps, Tom yeah. he's like, fuck. This like, commercial a, a, keeps a, playing, I'm going to shoot myself in the head. After he just got done blowing his load in a, you know, underage girl. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, that goddamn commercial. I hear this everywhere. God, let's put some soft jazz back on, you know. Yeah, because, like... Even at the beginning of the film, you see the you see the commercial, and at at the house because mm. Tom's Tom Atkins' kids are watching the commercial, sitting way too close to the television, bopping around like idiots. What the hell did the she yell at them for? Um, uh, yeah, what did she yell at them? Something for? trivial, but then she was yeah. fine with them sitting two inches from the TV. Like, yeah, I, mean, I think it might have been loud. Yeah, like you're being too di- like, yeah, it was too yeah, loud. Yeah, the TV's like yeah. turn the TV down, but it's fine that you sit, you know, that close. Yeah, you won't get a lazy eye or anything from that. <laughs> but uh, so he sees it when he's at his house, and then afterwards he goes to the hospital and it's on again. It's like on right as he walks past another room. So it's just funny. I realize that they had to like show how persuasive this commercial has been. Selling all these Halloween masks. We, yeah, I mean, hell, we get to see it in Phoenix, Los Angeles, New York, Baton Rouge. I'm wondering how... Omaha. Yeah, I'm wondering... Well, think about those people. Uh, one of the shops only has to drive from San Francisco, in, in still in mm-hmm. California. Uh, what about somebody in Baton Rouge who has, who's like, I didn't get my order. I gotta go. To, I gotta go down to Northern California to pick it up. Or we're gonna have to close the damn store. <laughs> yeah, down. right. We're, either either we go down and pick it up, or we have no masks to sell, so we're out of luck. Um, yeah, this seems to have spread all across the nation, which kind of strikes me as funny because I don't ever remember people taking even back in the day. I don't remember people taking Halloween that seriously, where you would be like, you're. It's not Christmas. It's not like Jingle All the Way, where you got to get the one action figure. Like, like <laughs> I was thinking about that throughout, you know. Right, because like the kids now for this mask, they've been like clamoring for the the specific mask. And because he, he, Tom Atkins, even gives them like uh, when he first meets his kids in the beginning, like just crappy little plastic mask. Like, Mom already got a silver shamrock mask. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, you know the brain deals shit bags. It's just a mask. You would think that the Silver Shamrock Company, if they really wanted to 
just have all these masks on kids for this one last Halloween. They just give them away. Right? Like, just being at parades and stuff, just throwing them out to kids. Because that would spread them even more. What about those people who can't afford them? I mean, he is such a generous man. Just, throw, yeah, just you know. give them out. So, it's, yeah, that's... I wondered why they didn't just result, resort to, like, giving them out to everybody. Well, at the end, if, you know, it didn't work, you still got to make a profit. So, if it, true. If it doesn't that's work, I'll wait, you know, another we'll 3,000 we'll do- 3, years for the plant still on, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another... The interesting topic that we'll bring up for talking about Halloween 3 is that... Witchcraft? Witchcraft. So, Halloween 3 has a very, like, weird plot. One that's kind of all over the place. You've got... Technology and, like, the old ones. (laughs) Yeah, technology, old ones, witchcraft, cyborgs, for whatever reason. That bleed yellow. Yeah, that have yellow goo coming out of them. (laughs) It's a very weird... So you can troll, so troll too. What? It's because of the green goo. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's troll too. Yeah. But uh, it's so weird that it's like, I guess in some ways they were trying to expand on that Samhain mythology from Halloween 2. You know, taking that explanation in, in the film that Dr. Loomis gets and gives about Samhain. How many people are on the up and up? In the Celtic like, tradition. And they're like Celtic and Gaelic, you know. I think more so now, but you're right. Back in 1982, maybe not as much um, accustomed to, like, the traditional Celtic values and stuff of I, I I mean, I don't. I mean, I I know. The only one I can think of, I would say, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Finn Balor um, from WWE. His name, like, one of his name. I I think the Balor part's taken from, like, an old Gaelic, like, god or, like, creature or some shit like that. Because he's Irish. Um, but it's like, oh, I mean, I've never, I've never, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's never something I've kind of sat down, like, oh, you know, let's find out about it. The funny thing about the the um, actual meaning behind what Cochran is doing is that there's really not that much to it. He's just con- doing a ritual because of the tradition and trying to kill off as many children as possible. That's really the the entire scheme. His damn pagan ways. Yeah, and and apparently they're all sacrifices to... He needs Jesus for the harvest. He needs Jesus in his life, you know. But it, I think that um, the film really misses the opportunity to explain that a little bit more. Because at the end, once um, Atkins gets free and he drops all of the buttons on... All of the cyborgs that are in the in the facility, which that to me is just I don't wonder why can't they just be like hypnotized people, right? Instead of cyborgs, or, or yeah, like, I don't... you know, or like they've been taken over through you know the demonic, you know the not demonic, but uh, you know mystical powers of the Stonehenge that they, sure. that they you know, are... like why why do they need specifically to be cyborg like yeah. things? I don't know. There's no explanation for that either. It's just more like a. Again, I think it. Cochran even says at one point, like, why am I doing it? Does it matter? Does there need to be a reason? It's like, uh, I guess not. You know? And that's not another Bond trope. Villain's sitting there carefully explaining yeah. his plan to the to the hero. You know, just like, mm, this, is, this is my grand plan. It reminds me of that new Geico commercial. Yeah. You know, like, with the slideshow. Well, like <laughs> I was saying, I think they missed, like, an opportunity to actually explain some of this stuff because... When he's drop when he drops the buttons and he causes all of the cyborgs to like go into their uh, epileptic shock from the commercial playing and they explode and you know basically all die. Um, there's no explanation why that triggers the actual ritual to occur because Cochran kind of just claps his hands yep, like well pl- like, well like, well done like well played you defeated me and then st- and then he's like kind of lightning striked and and melted by whatever entity they summoned but at the same time so like. Why then would the rest of the the actual ritual continue with the commercial? Like that should be it. You summoned whatever, and now it's done, and it's over, right? Yeah, so it See, that's, what, that's where I got like my idea. Like, like have the cyborgs. They're like, yeah, oh, they fell as a pentagram. Here comes an old one. Here comes Cthulhu. You know, yeah. Out of, you know. It just doesn't really like make a whole lot of sense when you actually break it down. You don't. I don't understand what that means for. Them, them to do this ritual sacrifice or what would happen 
once all of the children were viciously murdered and turned into insects. Um, it doesn't, there's, you know, what, what, I don't know what the stakes are. I mean, obviously all the kids and whoever had masks would be dead, but what does that mean for the living people besides having grief that their child was, or they could bottle up the insects, I guess, and pretend they're still their kids. <laughs> insects and snakes on their, on their desk. Which, what a way to, like, you know, when they killed Buddy Jr., you know, they, that's how the kids are going to get sacrificed. The mask goes on and then it, like, crushes their head and has, like, insects and, Snake like pestilence just basically break out from it. Yeah. Wow. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's, that, again, that's another very random part of the film. Like, is that maybe part of like the Celtic thing? Like, I oh, guess if I, this is summoned, pestilence would be brought down I, upon. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like uh, insects and snakes are evil things, and that's why they come out of you know dead children's heads. But yeah, it doesn't. Uh, there's nothing. I like love the fact that you know, Buddy Jr. She just like it's like oh she's had how'd she die? Have, she had a heart attack? Yeah, she just passes out. <laughs> just <laughs> falls down. Just you know, okay, I guess I guess she's dead because the dad, poor dad, gets bitten by two rattlesnakes. Yeah, apparently the uh, the snakes that come out are also meant to just like kill off everybody else because they're poisonous. They happen to be poisonous. So yeah, it's a very random thing that doesn't get explained there's no reasoning why like specifically they're they even like i could see it more like if it just the button triggered like an electrical impulse and it shocked everybody and you know shocked their heads and burnt their head off or something like that's not magical yeah because remember when that uh Halloween store owner from San Francisco. Yeah, when she tried to get the processor off one of those silver shamrock badges, it misfired and fucking fired like the whatever arc, laser beam or arc of the covenant through her head. You know, <laughs> I know that's actually probably the film's best makeup effect there. Yeah, because that still doesn't look that great. It's not though. great. It looks very plasticky yeah. and stuff, but but it, it's probably the best uh, makeup effect in the film. Um. You know, but I, I love the fact too that when like, what are you going? What happened to her? I'm I'm a doctor, you know. <laughs> yes, and they're like, don't worry, we're gonna we'll take care of her. You know, Mister Cochran has all the money; she'll get the finest treatment that money can buy. We're bringing her to the factory. Where is she going? <laughs> She's going to the factory, <laughs> and yes. they're just like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I do like that. Dr. Chalice just thinks, like, he can yell out, I'm a doctor anywhere, and just, that's, all right, credentialed, uh, you, do, do whatever you need to do. He didn't have a ba- his badge. No, he doesn't or, have, like, it, anything that really would say that he's a doctor. He just said he's a doctor. <laughs> Obviously, they're not going to believe him because he just lied to the innkeeper before about what they're doing in town. So, are they likely to believe he's a doctor? Probably not. <laughs> it's fucking boring. <laughs> uh what else what else do we need to touch on i i find it hilarious that this man who's one of the wealthiest men in america and his bondian base for computers that runs this jet whole operation of jet of commercials and it's just like three monitors and like a fucking Pegboard and lights just going like, boop, boop, boop. yeah. So when Tom Atkins is like sneaking up, trying to like get the badges and stuff, it's like, what are you sneaking? Like, where are you sneaking to? Like, yeah, there's no, co- there's no cover. There's no, and they like, like this whole operation to run these commercials. It's, it's all done on you know one little switchboard yeah. that they have in this in this uh, facility. It's yeah. He's like, you mean to tell me he couldn't build like a mission control type central thing? No, even, he wasted all that money building scaffolding around the stone even, that they Even brought. so, though, the the whole factory itself is very ridiculous. Like, and it is Bondian villain type because, like, that sort of you know maybe it, the scale of it is really what's so astounding that this Cochrane has not only built a factory but an entire town to really just be a cover for his silver shamrock operation. Like it's like. It, 1800s mining town, yeah, like you yeah. know, like, like well, the company who bought the land and built all, like you know, the merchant store and the bank and all that, and we all work and pay and yeah, you know, yes. One thing I didn't I didn't mention that I do really like about the um, the opening of the film is that at least, even though 
this is not directed or written or anything by Carpenter's done by Tommy Lee Wallace. They do start out with the opening credit sequence that is kind of cool, uh, working off of a computer screen that actually, you can't really tell what's happening. It's like sort of a computer graphic that goes along with the soundtrack. Which is, by the way, the worst way. Like, you mean to tell me <laughs> the way this computer is making a pumpkin image is like just slowly, like, it's got orange lines and then slowly just kind of like cutting out the lines. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's, I mean, at least I think it's pretty cool because it does mimic Halloween 1 and 2 of the slow zoom for the pumpkin. No, you're right. That is cool. The problem is the way the title card is and the way that's presented, <laughs> yes. again, rings back to like, this looks like a, like, you know, a made-for-TV movie for Halloween, especially in 1983 because it, you know, the, totally reeks of... The actual title card just kind of just, just cut, drops. It's just like... It's just there. Huh? Really boring font. Halloween 2 season which <laughs> And that's it. I don't even think it's that season of which. I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. I bet maybe I'm mistaken. I can't remember. But it, yeah, it does just kind of drop there. It's really boring. Like, if you blink, you miss it. And then it goes into the whole pumpkin thing. I think it's... I like the pumpkin. I gotta say, I think it's a nice touch that they were trying to, again, fuel that idea that this is going to be an anthology series and that they were going to do a similar thing to Halloween 1 and 2, um, just go in a different direction. So I like that. Um, that's probably one of my favorite things about the film is that it just at least mimics the zooming for the, for the jack-o'-lantern. Kind of, kind of intriguing. No, I and, agree. And that's not to say, so like we've been really harsh and making fun of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch quite a bit. But I will be honest and say that I still really like the movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It's, it's kind of stupid. It's poorly is, made. That ending is great. But yes, yeah, so certain elements of it. Like, I like to have fun with it. So this is a film that you can have fun with. Uh, whereas with the like Halloween in 1 and 2, you have fun with it as well. But it's less of like watching for the fun entertainment value and more just like the thrills and suspense of it. This is just a fun overall film to watch. You can make fun of it. You can try to take it seriously. It's fun overall. Um, so that's not to say that I'm, I like, don't like this film. I like it a lot. Um, it, like I said, the, the soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks but it is really cheesy and and has a dumb plot and stuff that damn silver shamrock song if it's not stuck in your head yeah. you know by the end of this movie and uh you haven't been paying attention which by the way i'm kind of surprised for the end credits after you know tom atkins is hysterically screaming to get the commercials off and he and he fails which is, like i said i love it it's great Ter- very bleak ending yeah love love bleak endings in my film I'm very, like, the perfect thing to do when the end credits roll. Happy, happy Halloween. Halloween, You know, like, kind of like a nanny, nanny, boo-boo to you. You know, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. I guess, I guess they didn't want to, um, take away that, like, tension from the last part of it. So they stuck with the... No, but it won't, because it was, that was playing, you know. Basically, when that, you know. I, I think, like, even so, like, the cheesiness of that, like you said, that's not a Carpenter creation. There's not the... You don't. He doesn't. You I'd know, be very surprised the, if he wrote the that penny whistle yeah. element to it, and the jokiness of it. I'd be very surprised if he wrote the silver shamrock uh, commercial jingle. Very surprised, and I could see him be like, "Fuck that! Uh, I'm an artist, damn it! I'm not being bothered with that." <laughs> I do think so. I, I guess, and we could probably get into the rating scale now, um, since I kind of just did my own. But out, uh, oh. You know what, though? I did want to talk about one other thing. Yep. What, rewind that a little bit. Just just dawned on me. The montage where we see all of the kids going trick-or-treating on Halloween night in different areas. Just want to point out, you can't wear a fucking mask, like a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> mask, and then also have a pirate hat on it. It just doesn't... Why, why? You can't be both. You can't be a pirate jack-o'-lantern. It doesn't make sense. You stick with one mask, and you wear the mask. You, or, like, I did see another person who, another kid, who was a witch mask with fucking fairy, fairy wings on. No. Okay? You pick one, and you stick with that costume. If you didn't, if you wanted to be a fairy, then you'd be a fairy, and you don't get to wear the witch mask. Just simple as that. So next time, or as you're putting your costume together for this Halloween, don't mix and match. You can't be a werewolf lumberjack. I mean, I guess you can, actually. Kibius, a, a slutty nurse. No, yeah, you can. Slutty construction worker. 
I yeah, they do that too. I guess it's just it's two. It just can't be two things that don't match up. You can't be what I, mean, I don't know. Let's see. You can't you can't be a plumber electrician. They just don't match up. So that was that was my can't be Tom Cruise and a mummy. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's that that's good because that, you can't be Henry Cavill and Superman. Yeah, that's true. You can't. Yeah, you can't be Tom Cruise and a mummy because that franchise is dead. So <laughs> you're just gonna get made fun of on Halloween if you do that. I don't think anyone rem- remembers it. Yeah, now. probably not. Like what movie are you talking about? There was a mummy movie. There was a dark universe. There was a there was a DC universe. <laughs> That's pretty much gone. God, they have like three Joker films. Like, like, oh god. Yes, they do. It's gonna be great. All right, so <laughs> it's gonna be a great shit show. <laughs> the obvious choice here for uh, rating would be masks out of ten masks. No. But we don't want to do the obvious choice. Um, so instead, out of um, ten. Tom Atkins alcoholic beverages. What would you give Halloween three season of the witch? I'll give it. I guess seven. Okay. Depending on my mood, I'm, I was. It could be a seven and a half. I, like like we said, kind of the opening as a warning. Uh, a little sluggish feeling today. So some of those slower parts, kind of in the middle. And in the beginning, we're kind of yeah. really dragging on me. It does, um... It, it's an hour and 40. Yeah. Um, so, and parts of it are sluggish and kind of go to a crawl and are kind of... Actually, that whole scene where, um, Ellie turns into a cyborg... is just that's padding long, and, yeah. you know, unnecessary filler. Could have got there quicker. Yeah. Um, the opening's a little drawn out, too. You know, the chase with, you know, her dad... It's a little long in the tooth, um, so it like it, it does have its slow parts. The story is nonsensical, goofy, and not very well explained or thought out. But as you said, it's a lot of fun. Tom Atkins is a lot of fun. Um, the guy I forgot his name who plays uh, Cochran. Yep, Dan O'Hurley. He's oh, he's really good. He's a lot of fun too. Um, I just love the fact that Tom Atkins is just kind of bumbling around like a drunk and just like wow, you know, kind of Owen Wilson Wilson in his way sometimes throughout this movie. Yep. Um, as goofy and like moronic the plot is, it's like you said, it's a lot of fun. It is cheap. It is chintzy. It's not a you know greatly made film, but you can have fun with it. You have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I think even more so than Halloween 2, even though Halloween 2 is quite a bit of fun. And as much as I love Halloween 1, I wouldn't say it's really a film you can have fun with just because it's a lot more serious in its tone and how yeah. it's like a stalker, you know, thriller than, than you know, like a slasher. Yeah. Um, yep. but here, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, Tom Atkins screaming like a lunatic at that damn, you know, Silver Shamrock theme. Just the people in that town and how they all, you know, how everyone just, you know, the idea of people just like being ape shit over, you know, math. It, go, <laughs> it goes back to the whole when we did um the movie with Sam Neill with Sutter Kane. Oh, yeah. Um, um, in the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, yeah, like the whole idea, like, like people are going ape shit over this book, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a very similar... Uh, a lot of it yeah, is very similar, it, like the town that's sort yeah, of... Yeah, the town, yeah. the boat, yeah, well, you could say, like, Sam Neill, and when they go to the motel, and, you know, play off as, you know, husband and wife, John Carpenter probably ripped a bunch of this and made it for that movie. Yep. The whole, like, old ones type of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's a lot of, like I said, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more fun than the films to come. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, as goofy and nonsensical as it is, I, I, I like it, and again, I... Ever since I've seen it, I've accepted it for what it is. You know, I'm totally fine with it not being a film based on Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Just because I, you know, as I said a thousand times, we reviewed a bunch of slasher franchises. As you go down the line, they have to teeter into parody because they run out of ideas to what the fuck to do. Yep. And so this is a way to keep <clears throat> things fresh, keep things new. Yeah. And anthologies were big at the time, in the early and mid-80s with Creepshow, 
um, the Twilight Zone movie, you know, so. Yeah. It would have been smart of them to kind of keep it up, but. Yeah, I, w- I would have liked to have seen that. Um, I pretty much explained my viewpoint on this, but I'll just throw out my rating. I'd give it, a, I'd give it an eight. I have a lot of fun with it. I like to watch it every year. Like I said, it's one of my favorite soundtracks, and I think it's just, uh, just a really entertaining time. It's one of those things that I think even works better when you put it on Halloween. Like if you're watching it on Halloween, just have like a night, a good time with friends on Halloween. Put on Halloween Three: Season of the Witch because I think they're going to have a lot more fun with it than trying to sit down and really be serious with. Well, if you put Halloween, Halloween. on, you're going to have to pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Here you can kind of like. What's so, Tom yeah. Atkins doing yeah, now? Yeah. Okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and it's it generates a lot more laughs and just you know all around good times with this one, and every you know every time Tom Atkins brings up he wants a drink, you can have one too. So <laughs> I love that for our opening. What a great line! Jesus, lady, hold, I need hold a, it. I need a drink. <laughs> That's pretty much how I feel all the time. So <laughs> I'm heading into Tom Atkins alcoholic territory. Oh, you know, he's like a. Kind of looks like a low rep Burt Reynolds. He does, yeah, yeah, yep. He's really made a name for himself just with John Carpenter movies. Yeah. So, all right, that uh, concludes our Halloween Three Season of the Witch episode. No Looney Loomis one for this one. No, he's not here. Unfortunately, he's not. I guess Looney Loomis would be zero. <laughs> there, there is none. Well, so, tumultuous Tom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we already played his most uh, drunk, drunk doctor. You know, you know, for this film, you can do instead of a Looney Loomis uh, meter, just pay like count how many drinks he has. Exactly. You know, or like a drinking game. Like anytime he mentions, like mentions he needs, drinking, or, or actually has one. Yeah, take a drink. Because there is even that scene and, where, and when the Silver Shamrock theme comes mm-hmm. on, take a drink. There's even that scene where he has he's on the on the phone, like on a payphone. You can just see. He's already purchased, gone out and purchased a six pack of Miller High Life to set it on the telephone. Uh, so yeah, it shows up quite a bit. So you'll have a have a fun time with that. Um, all right. So next week we're doing Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers. Yep, and uh, that should be a fun one. Not that the film is that great, but I. I always like I, I like watching it anyway. Uh, I'm I'm partial to four and five, even though I know that they're not really that great of How films. How dare you I not know. say six? No, I mean I don't say the six, Paul but Rudd, maybe maybe I'll appreciate the Paul it more. Rudd factor. See, six is one that I haven't seen that much in in comparison to the others. Now, so. which one are we gonna review? Oh, uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Should we do the theatrical cut? Or I the, don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Um. I'll throw that out there at some point. Just ask which one we should do uh, on our Twitter and Facebook page and stuff. See if we get any any hits on that, what people would like to see. Because I'm not sure which one we should do. So, interesting. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so, yeah, next week will be Halloween 4. Um, so, make sure you tune in for that. And we're going to continue with Season of Halloween all the way through Halloween. And we're going to conclude with the new Halloween 2018 film. So... Keep listening. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Pod, Podbean, and pretty much any other podcasting app or, or uh, site that you use. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We're on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. Um, we have an email address at Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. And like I said, you can follow me on Untapped, and I believe I'm at Ryan B. R Y N E B. So check me out on there. Thank you for listening. We will see you back next week for another Halloween episode. Take care.